in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, that we read just before our communion, beginning with the 22nd verse, our theme this morning is, Who are we? A question. Who are we? Oftentimes, during the week, I have interviews and conferences with people. Even this week, at least two or three that I remember distinctly. And they wanted to know if I could help them to identify themselves who they really were, what their purpose was, and what their destiny would be. People in a confused state of mind often forget who they are, what their purpose is, and where they're going to. The Bible answers the question of who we are, what our purpose is, and where we're going. It has been answered over and over again. In this chapter, in the 22nd verse, the writer has been struggling all through the message to let them know who they were and what their purpose was and where they were going. Even in the second chapter, he said, how should we escape if we neglect so great salvation? In this climax of the book, he tells them who they are. He tells them to where they have come, and he allows them to see the great, into the great future, the eternity with God and with Christ. Look at the 22nd verse. You are coming to Mount Zion. You've come into the city of the living God. You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable host or company of angels, to the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn. And by the way, that is plural. It doesn't show it in the King James Version, but it's plural. And what the context shows it because it says, which are written which shows is plural, in heaven. And we've come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling. And the blood of sprinkling is associated with the blood of sprinkling all through the Old Testament 
that signified the cleansing of their sins when they sprinkled it at the place God asked them to. So we have really climaxed in this great message that we have come to the blood of separation, the blood of sprinkling, the blood of cleansing, the blood of Jesus that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. If we, as members of the body of Christ, have come to this message here, and we see that the message in the first century was written to people who had believed in Christ, believed that he was the one whom God spoke through, which is emphasized in this, in this letter, the first chapter. If he is the one that is at the right hand of God, if he is the one that has shed his blood and tasted death for every man, according to the second chapter in verse 9, and he's the one that offers salvation to us, according to chapter 5 and verse 8, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. And it is by his blood that we're cleansed. It is by his message and his law, the new covenant, according to chapter 9 and chapter 8 and chapter 10, that we draw near and that we learn the way to be cleansed and to be one with him. And then we come to this message here and he says, who are you? Oh, we are worshipers. We're children of God. We're cleansed. We've come to the Jerusalem that has its headquarters, not just in the geographical location that we've always gone to, but it's in heaven. We've come to people who have their names written in heaven. We've come to people who've been cleansed by the blood of God or Christ. We've come to people who are spirits. And we've been made perfect. We've been made perfect. Take your New Testament, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. 1 Corinthians. And this again answers our question, who are we? We've already defined that. That chapter has let us know. No. The first Corinthians, the first chapter, and verse 29, also gives us an insight to who we are. Look at that, that no flesh should glory in his presence. For of him are ye in Christ Jesus. It's by the plan. It's by the great culmination 
of his great planning throughout the ages that's come to pass in Christ. And it's, look at the 30th verse, who of God, talking of us, who are we? We're the people who have wisdom. We're the people who have righteousness. We're the people who have sanctification. We're the people who have redemption. Now, not that we boast in and of ourselves, but it's because we're in Christ. Now, look at that 30th verse again. We are the wisdom of God. Why? Because we're in Christ. We are the righteousness of God. We accept it. We have no sins held against us. We've been delivered out of the power of darkness into his great light by the blood of Christ. We're set apart, sanctified. How? Because we're in Christ. Once and for all, yes. Never to fall, yes. If your choice continues to center in Christ. If your listening continues to focus in Him. That's who we are. We are an innumerable host of angels, perfected. And we become the body of Christ. That according to what is written, look at the 31st verse. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, do we glory in some things in our history? Some people get so tied up in the restoration movement, not that the restoration movement is not important, not that some of the activities that were done there and things preached there are untrue, but they get so tied up in it they think that something happened in that time that didn't happen back here in the first century. Nothing happened there that was new. Everything that happened there happened because it was taught of God and came from this book. Don't get tied up in the history of our struggles, but get focused and overwhelmed with the wisdom, with the righteousness, with the sanctification, and with the redemption that is held focused on you because your faith is focused on Christ. That's the church. That's the church that was planned through the ages. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, please. Who are we? Look at verse 14 in chapter 6. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know you not? that your bodies are the members of Christ. 
That's the first century. The church existed then. Who are we? We're members of the body of Christ. How did he get into that? Look at the first screen in 13, uh, 12, and verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we are Jews or Gentiles or whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now the way you got into that is that you were baptized into that body. Now look at Ephesians. Look at Ephesians. The book after that. In your New Testament. Look at the first chapter. Who are we? Well, Corinthians, he said to the Corinthians, you're the body of Christ. Your names are written in heaven, according to Hebrews. Look at the first chapter of Ephesians and the first, the 22nd and the 23rd verse. He's put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. He's head over all of us. We're in his body. We're an innumerable host of angels, of, of worshipers. We've been washed in his blood. We've come to the new Jerusalem. We've come to the one who said he tasted death for every man. And look at number 23. The church definition is the body. And the body is the church. And according to this same 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, that's the way a person got into the body. He was baptized into it by the direction of the Spirit, the teaching. But that's the way you got into Christ. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. We're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Just as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That happened in the first century. That wasn't a denomination. That was the body of Christ. That was the spiritual body of Christ. That was the existence of people and believers who believed in him. And verse 23 says, this is the fullness of Christ. There is no part of Christ outside the body. That's what makes up the body. Who are we? Look at this same chapter, or this same book, the second chapter. We're people who are near. Look at verse 13. We sometimes were far off, but now we're near, and that's by the blood of Christ. He's broken down the middle wall of petition, and he abolished the enmity of the flesh. And he, he took out the old covenant that was binding upon the people at that time and under the Jews. And number 16, he, he made it possible for every human being, the Jews and the Gentiles, to be one body. 
that he might reconcile. That means make them to live again. Unto God. That's what Hebrews 12 says. We've come unto the city of the living God. We've come unto the innumerable host of angels. We've come to the blood of the covenant. We've come to the mediator. We've come to Jesus Christ. We've come to him. He's in our hearts. He's in our lives. We're his body. Look at number 16. We've been made one with God in one body by the cross. It was by the cross. By the blood that he shed. That's the reason the Corinthian letter, the first chapter and verse 30 said, He is our wisdom. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our redemption. Why? It is through him and his sacrifice that we're made one. And that we're kept in relationship with God. He came to preach peace to you which are far off and to them which are nigh. For through him ye both have access, he's talking about the Jew and Gentile, by one spirit. Who are we? We're people who have access by one spirit, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. But the sword of the spirit is not the spirit. The spirit dwells in the hearts and lives of people when you proceed is, is received, and when it germinates, and when it really plants a Christ within you. Luke 8, 11 says, The word of God is the seed. And the seed brings forth after its kind. The seed is of the Spirit. The Spirit becomes alive. The Spirit gives within you a spirit. And that spirit is like God's spirit. You are born again. And you're born from heaven. And when you're born from heaven, you're made the church of the or the body of Christ. And God dwells in people. And look at number 19. Who are we? Well, we're not strangers. We're not foreigners. We're fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. And you know, we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And he's alive today, and he knows when we believe in him, and he knows when we believe the, the prophets and the people who spoke in the Old and the New Covenant. He knows when we accept those words, and he knows when we believe that he's at the right hand of God, and that he's also in our hearts and lives. And when we believe him and appropriate him by faith, he knows we're his body. We know he knows we belong to him. That's what the church of our Lord is. And you know number 21 says, Ephesians 2.21, we'll build it together, fitly framed together into a holy temple. And he dwells in us. He dwells in us. And we have love for one another because we belong to each other. That's the reason Romans 14 and 15 states very emphatically that eating meat and doing things in opinion that destroyed brethren had to be not built in. That whether we live or whether we die, we belong to God. We belong to the Lord. And that the greatest thing that we can cherish is our love toward one another as we grow together in a temple. And he said, the reason why people don't know that you're a member of the Church of Christ 
is that you love one another. John 13, verse 34 and 35. What? Oh, I thought it was because that you were baptized into it. Oh, that doesn't rule that out. Oh, I thought it was because that you confessed him with all of your, your, your heart, that he was the son of God. Now, that doesn't rule that out. Oh, I thought it was because that you took communion on the Sunday morning. That doesn't rule that out. Oh, I thought it was because that you gave as you were prospered. That doesn't rule that out either. But if you want to make a test of the holy temple of God being brought together and preach the gospel to other people, Jesus said it'll be because you love one another is the way people will tell we are his preachers and teachers and students. That's who we are. And who? You're building together. For an habitation of God in the Spirit. Do you feel God's presence? If you do, you feel it by faith. Because you know He's there. Do you feel Jesus' kingship? Do you know He's the Lord of your life? that he has washed you and cleansed you from all sin because you were baptized into his body and he gave you his spirit and you were born again and has your heart throbbed and melted into his because daily you prayed to him that because of his blood and the application upon your heart by faith that you were cleansed from mistakes and things that you did that did not have his approval and it was because of that that you are his wisdom, you are his righteousness, you are his sanctification, and you are his redemption. He's dwelling. He's the habitation. You're his habitation. I want to close with First Peter, the second chapter. Who are we? Who are we? Look at number 9 in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Ye are a chosen generation, and don't you forget it. You are a royal priesthood, and don't you forget it. You can go to God. You go to the high priest. You are a holy nation, and it's not because of what you do. It's not because of the works that you perform. It's not because of the things that you do, one, two, three, and you can give yourself credit for it, even though they will do that because you are his righteousness, and he, because you're his righteousness, you will not act in a betrayal way. You are a holy nation because of the blood of the Lord Jesus that cleansed you and you believed it and you live with dignity on the level of righteousness and holiness because that you're cleansed by his blood and he's looking all of the time. He's in your heart and he's in your life and he witnesses when you have those degrading thoughts. 
that you shouldn't have. Who are we? We are a unique people, peculiar people, and we show forth the praises of him called us out of darkness into light. Maybe sometime our praise doesn't express it like it should. Time passed, we were no people. Now we are people of God. We've obtained mercy, forgiveness when we didn't deserve it. As strangers and pilgrims, he said, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Why? Because you live beneath the dignity of a person who's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, who was planned from the foundation of the world that he would go through that for you and for me. May God help us to know who we are. Now, if you're not a child of God, it is so clearly put out. In the great John 3.16, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is a great passage, and we often... But that belief is a belief of obedience. In the 36th verse of that third chapter, it, it uses belief in a context of obedience. And whosoever believeth is the person who believes... And he's the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Keep obeying him. Why? Because we keep honoring him as king. We keep knowing that he is righteous and that he's holy and that we're part of his body. We're no part of any denomination. We're not a part of a denomination that started with man's thinking. It started back before the world began that we would have the opportunity and the dignity of living on a plane with God because Christ, who is God, came and recovered us from the Satan. And brethren, that's our mission. And if you just believe in him and repent of your sins and are buried with him in the likeness of his death, it's over and over repeated in there that he's going to cleanse you and make you a part of his body. And if you haven't lived, if you've been living beneath the privileges and blessings of a, who we are, with God's help, come out of the pit and come to the house of God and to the blood of cleansing and let God cleanse you and love you as we stand together and sing.